Merry Christmas to you all. Is everybody somewhat comfortable here this morning? So great to, to have you uh, out this morning here with us this Christmas Eve. I just want to encourage you, if you're able to, uh, because <clears throat> if it was a little bit colder, we'd have a lot of snow. <laughs> Isn't that right? <clears throat> we rebuke that. So we'll take the one inch of rain or whatever. Amen. Um, so we're able to meet today. <laughs> Because of the rain, and uh, but if you're able to stick around a little bit, we have cookies and coffee, and then there's a Christmas photo display that Jackie and Rhonda them worked on for that. If you'd like to take pictures and 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 before you you head out, and then uh, we're going to receive communion at the end of the service today, and uh, everyone is welcome to participate. You don't have to be a member of Church for the Harvest, just a believer. And I'm going to be sharing about one of the most important messages, or the most important message of the greatest gift of Christmas, and that's the gift of salvation. So um, anyhow, well, let's just take a moment and uh, pray and ask for God's blessing as I share the Word of God. Father, we, we recognize that in and of ourselves we have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. Lord, this Christmas Eve candlelight service, Lord, that, Lord, your word says you left the 99 for the one. The one matters. And Lord, even today, perhaps there is one that does not know you or have that assurance of salvation that, that they would receive this gift of salvation and be born again. I ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So this Christmas, I just want to talk to you about the, this greatest gift, this gift of salvation. And, and um, so as we gather today and we celebrate this joyous season, I just really want to reflect on the true meaning of Christmas. And, you know, beyond the lights, the Christmas trees, and I can remember our first Christmas, uh, we were in Texas, and we were in an apartment, one bedroom, and uh, at that time, this is going to reveal a lot about me, so just bear with me, <clears throat> the dumpsters were open, and I worked in dry cleaning, and so Target would throw all of their, if someone would return their Christmas lights when one bulb went out, come on somebody, <clears throat> I'd go in there and like, wow, there's all these lights and garland, huge garland and bulbs that people just got rid of. And um, I just took it and came home, and Rhonda went, what? So my little apartment had, you know, garland on the fan and everything, and we had a blast. But, you know, beyond all that and decorations and exchange of gifts, there lies a profound message, a message of faith, a message of hope, salvation, good news. Some show good news. It really, there's good news today in the midst of all the terrible news that's going on, there's good news. And, but the, the challenge and the problem I've found, and I've done a lot of street evangelism and uh, traveled to over 10 nations preaching the gospel, and, and especially up in the Midwest here and starting a church and, and planting roots here over 30 years ago, that uh, when we share the good news, <clears throat> unless there is a sense of need, and there is an understanding in the person's mind and heart that's communicated that really 
before you can accept the good news of salvation, you need to understand how lost humanity is, how lost mankind is without Jesus Christ, the lost state. And really, there's no real conviction. It's kind of a, oh, that's nice, that's cute. I can take it or leave it. And that happens when we don't really understand our lost state. And it's, it's actually, the good news is it's kind of meaningless. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to some people because Proverbs 21, 2 says, every person's way is right in his own eyes. He thinks everything he does is right, but God examines the heart. And so what happens is the heart of man, we justify. We say, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not bad like Hitler or Mussolini or, you know, some dictator or someone that did mass murders or killings. I'm a good guy. I mean, I, I, I've, done, I've done some things that are not really, you know, I don't want that announced, but pretty much I'm a good guy. And that's where we miss the good news of the gospel and we miss Christ. Are you with me here this morning? And the Bible says Paul in Galatians, he used the law as a schoolmaster, as a teacher. And so many times when we read how on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved, it was like, wow, what a great harvest. These Jews had the law in their heart, and they recognized and knew they needed the Messiah. They needed the Savior. And when the message was preached, it brought conviction. But we have a whole generation that doesn't even understand. They have no regard or know God or know his word or grew up understanding the word of God and knowing how lost mankind is. Let me just give you an illustration, if I could, on this. <clears throat> Think of these two scenarios. So it's Christmas time, and, and how many know people are in a rush? I mean, all of a sudden, you could just feel the tension on the gas pedal, and people are trying to get where they need to get, so get out of my way, you know, because we got to get this last, and there's this tension. Well, think of this scenario. So you're speeding. It's around Christmas time. And so then now you go through an elementary school area, and it's actually school of the blind. And you're flying where the speed limit is 20 miles an hour, flashing 55 miles an hour. Boom. Police officer pulls you over. Oh, I don't need this in this moment. And he says to you, he says, you know what? No worries. The fine has been paid. Enjoy your day. Merry Christmas. You start your vehicle, start to drive off, and the first thing that comes to mind, it, that was weird. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Second scenario, <clears throat> you're driving through this elementary school area. The police officer pulls you over. <clears throat> he arrests you on the spot, pushes you against the hood, handcuffs you, has your car towed away, and then you spend three nights in jail, and yes, you're going to miss Christmas Day. So all of your family that has flown in, come on, and all the people that are coming because you were preparing Christmas at your house, you are not there. You're in jail. Are you starting to feel this a little bit? <laughs> How you don't, you don't want this to happen. Many of you people are going to leave here and drive really slow. <laughs> And, 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 then, and then, you know, you, you, the, the judge on Tuesday, <laughs> after Christmas, you go before the judge, and he says, you know, you're speeding, the school of the blind, this is severe, could have killed somebody. Six months, you're going to jail, plus you got to do 90 days of community service, and then <clears throat> you still have to pay a fine of $10,000. Boom, what? 
You're in shock. I mean, this is nuts. So in that moment, once again, they handcuff you and they begin to escort you off till you go back to jail to spend 90 days. And in that moment, someone steps forward in the courthouse. And he says, your honor, I'd like to say something if I may. I would like to pay for this gentleman, this person's fine, $10,000. What? And on top of that, I would like to serve their sentence so they are able to go home and spend time with Christmas. And I will also pay for all the community service, whatever that is, 90 days. I will serve all that. So I will go on behalf of this individual and I will pay what was rightly due for them to pay. Now, how many know in that moment, that's good news? Why? Because the weight of our sin, the weight of our judgment, the weight of our conviction in that moment, you discover how guilty you are, and then you recognize that someone has stepped up to the plate, and they said, I will pay your penalty for you. Friends, that's what it means when we talk about good news, good news. So, so what do I mean? You know, millions of people in this world, they profess to be happy without God. But if we could truly be happy and moral without Jesus, then why did he come? No need for him to come. He came because that kind of happiness and peace is only superficial. I have a verse, and it should be a joyful verse, but really it's the truth to really drive home this point and the importance of how miraculous this gift of salvation is. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, how is that for a good news Christmas candlelight communion verse to start off with? <laughs> Jesus Christ came to bring a sword, watch this, through every kind of peace that's not based on a personal relationship with him. That's what he came. See, when I truly understand how lost I am without God, how hopeless, utterly hopeless, now the good news makes sense to me. Now the good news is real. It's alive. It's my heart will respond other than to take it or leave it or it makes no sense to me. You know, the most famous summary of the gospel in the entire Bible, I believe it's John 3.16. Most of us could just quote it right here verbatim. I'd like to just delve into that for a few moments and we're gonna pray and receive communion. But if you have your Bibles, if you wanna pull up John 3.16, beautifully encapsulates the essence of Christmas. And what is that? For God so loved, somebody shall loved. Love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever or whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many have seen this uh, Bible verse on signs at sporting events and when we carry signs down in New Orleans and you see them on sometimes on bumper stickers and, and uh, you know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But seeing that really has no conviction for especially the unbeliever just to think, well, God loved the world. That's great. He loved me. How does that help me today? How does that affect my life today? And we wonder and we ponder, yeah, I, I, we don't grasp it. Let me delve a little bit deeper. The Greek word for love is the word agape, agape. And I'm just gonna explain a little bit what that means. It's a divine love. It's a love that God prefers. Agape means actively doing what the Lord prefers with him and by his power and direction. 
Agape is a profound, sacrificial love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. Wow. Agape love is the self-sacrificing love of God for all of humanity. Hmm. Agape love is the highest form of love. The love of God for man and of man for God. And this love contrasts with phileo, which is uh, phileo love, which is like brotherly love. And then there's uh, phaluta, which is kind of like a self-love. Eros is more, is a sexual, physical. And uh, th- th- so the Greeks had a number of translations for love, but Jesus introduced a new kind, a higher definition of love. Agape love is a selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others. It is the highest expression of love, and it's shown through Jesus Christ willingly going to the cross. How many with me say amen? I'll delve a little deeper. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that whoever believes, the Greek word for believe is pistio. It means to entrust. It means I believe, have faith in, I trust in, I am entrusted with. It means to think to be true, to be persuaded of. I like that. To credit, to place confidence in. It means to adhere. It means to rely on. Watch this. Simply put, believe means to believe the message or, watch this, to believe what I say and live in a new way. That's what it means to believe. Let me just hit a few simple key points. To believe in what? Believe in the gift of love. What, 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 what is that? Christmas is a celebration of the greatest gift ever given. The gift of God's love and what? In sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gift. He's the gift. The gift into the world. God demonstrated his boundless and unconditional love for each one of us. Friends, that's love for humanity when we talk about the love of God. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved, <clears throat> in a social or moral sense, that we have loved God, but he goes on to say, but, but that he loved us, watch this, and sent his Son on a mission, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word, and I'm gonna explain that. Actually, propitiation in the Greek means he la samos. It's actually listed seven times in the New Testament, and it actually means mercy. Somebody shout mercy. <clears throat> it's mercy through sacrifice. So there was a penalty that had to be paid. Somebody had to pay from the original sin that every man, woman, born into, that had to be paid. Propitiation, it means a sin offering. It actually means an atoning sacrifice. This is some definitions. It means an appeasement to satisfy an angry, offended party. Wow. Jesus provided the ultimate propitiation by the sacrificing of himself. Willingly, atoning, he shed his blood on the cross. That's pretty gruesome. Why? He was the innocent one, and it appeased God's wrath on all of humanity. Whoever confess and believe and accept and receive that sin, that offering, will receive forgiveness. Those who don't will not. Wow. 
One commentator says this propitiation is Jesus Christ satisfying the holiness of God on the cross. He is the means by whom God shows the mercy of his grace to the believing sinner. Amen. So to believe in the gift, that's Jesus Christ. Secondly, what's the purpose of this gift? Jesus came not only to be a part of the Christmas story, but to be the savior of the world. The savior of the world. His birth in a humble manger marked the beginning of a journey that would ultimately lead to the cross, but that was part of the plan of God. Now, Jesus came, watch this, to offer us forgiveness, redemption, and eternal life. But once again, if we don't really understand the depth of how lost we are without Christ, there's nothing we could do to climb our way up, how religious we may try to be, how try to, you know, straighten our life out, how good we may try. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves. Why? Because the Bible says we were all born into sin and without hope. That means I have a nature, you have a nature. When we were born, it's bent on sin. How many of you have kids, when they hit the twos, they call it the terrible twos? Don't look at if your child, if they're a two right now. <laughs> or maybe you want to. <laughs> and the first word out of their mouth is this. Sometimes they walk around, they do this. <laughs> Where did that come from? Or is this? No. That's the, why, do they, why couldn't they learn yes? Why is it not yes as a two-year-old? It's in nature, the Adamic nature. It's in all of us. <clears throat> the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages in payment of sin is death. I remember back in 1985, I was stationed in Subic Bay in the Marine Corps in the Philippines. And uh, we started a, I had some, some fellow Marines that uh, <clears throat> they actually, they were, they were born again, they got saved, and I did some water baptisms there. And, and uh, so we had a God squad, and I actually made a T-shirt saying, I still have it somewhere. <laughs> and it was like an angel, you know, swinging a sword against some kind of demon. And, uh, hey, listen, we're in the Marines, okay? <clears throat> it wasn't a pink shirt. It was black, come on, cut off. And it was like, oh, here comes the God squad, you know? We were the God squad. And, uh, but we would witness, and there was a first lieutenant, and he uh, just got transferred there, and sharp guy, and we began to witness, and I think we were doing a collection uh, for something. Uh, it was actually during a Christmas time. It was 1985. It was during Christmas season. I was there, stationed there, and, and we were raising funds. He goes, well, why are you doing this? And we began to share the gospel to this lieutenant, and we began to tell him, and said, you know, because there is none righteous, no, not one, and, and uh, we all have sinned. He goes, ho, ho, ho. I'm a good guy. I mean, I went to officer training school. I mean, I, I, I'm not a murderer. I mean, I, I've done some things that are wrong, but I'm a good guy. And, and the more we began to talk with him and share the word, the more upset he began to be. So I'm, I'm defending a good guy. And we just say, listen, all your good deeds are as filthy rags. It, it merits nothing. You need Christ to forgive you. And it, it so impacted him. Ecclesiastes 7.20, surely there is not a righteous man or woman on earth who does good and never sins. Wow. Romans 3.10 is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. Luke 10.19, for Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Somebody say amen to that. Actually, that word to seek in the Greek means I desire, I search for. It actually means getting to the bottom of the matter. Jesus said, I'm going to get to the bottom of the matter, and that matter is sin in humanity. And I want to provide a way to redeem mankind, bring them back if they will accept that gift. 
The Greek word for lost, and I'm going to delve a little bit here in metal, it doesn't mean like, oh, I missed my turn on maps. Oh, I missed that interstate. I, mean, I got to get back off and get on and go the right way. You know, it's not, it's to lost doesn't mean like I got my good side in my life of things I've done. Then there's the bad side, the scales. And if I keep piling up a lot of good, maybe I'll balance it out. When I get to heaven, the Lord will go, you good guy, you really tried. You really tried. I'm going to let you in and slide. You had some bad things. No. You know what loss, loss means? To utterly perish without hope. He ca- Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't mean you just made a wrong turn somewhere. When we say Jesus cleanses us, Jesus is not a, a nice scented bar of soap with a rope, <laughs> okay? That's not Jesus. Jesus come, well, he just kind of cleans you outside. No matter how much cleaning you try on the outside, it will not clean your inside. You need Jesus to clean the inside of your life. I feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to people this morning. The Greek word loss is the word apolomi. It means I destroy. It means I perish. It means I'm cut off entirely, and I have a miserable end. I know this is really not a real uplifting message for a Christmas candlelight service, but it's true. People need to understand and recognize how great a gift salvation is, but how much it costs. That gift costs. Here's Part of the good news, we are not without the ability to respond to God, even in that lost state. God has given us a free will. And your free will, and from it, those natural powers that God gave you can meet with God and cooperate, and you can believe God, even in your fallen state, even hearing this voice, my voice today. You can respond to that. Let me meddle just a little bit more. We'll end with some good, good news. You know, we do not want to underestimate how lost the spiritual state of mankind and humanity is. Deuteronomy 32, 35 says this. The Lord says, the wicked, vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, he says, their foot will slip for the day of their disaster is at hand and their doom hurries to meet them. Wow, that's a heavy verse, Pastor Mike. Once again, it's the state of the lost. It's the state of those that may mentally know of God or maybe think God exists, but it's not really, you, you don't have the assurance of salvation in your life, and you just kind of go out day by day, and it's the man upstairs, and you're not right with him. You don't have salvation in your heart, and you know it, and you know it, and you know it. You're away from God. You're not, as the Bible used the term, saved. You're not born again. Actually, this verse means that their foot will slip. It means I am always exposed to destruction. Wow. It means sudden and unexpected destruction. It actually goes on deep. It says every moment I am liable to fall. Another translation says that it's implied that I'm liable to fall by myself. See, here's the thing I find, people. If I can control everything in my life, and if I can keep everything just right, and I have enough money to protect this, 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 and this, I'm okay. No, The lost state of humanity is even yourself, you will make yourself fall. That's what that's saying. Wow. I am liable to fall by myself without being thrown down by the hand of another. I'll do it to myself. I'll self-destruct. Wow. You know, John Wesley was a famous uh, Methodist preacher uh, from England, and he came to America in the 1700s. And he preached a message 
Now, just think of coming to church, and I'm going to read it just a paragraph. And we're, we're, we're moving on to some good news here, so you can relax. But I'm going to read it just a paragraph. And, and the sermon was July 8th, 1741. It was titled this, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. How many have ever heard of this message? few of you. <clears throat> you can read. It's like 38 pages long. And it's riveting. I mean, it's, it's, it's the word. So he preaches it in Connecticut. He says this, your wickedness makes you, as it were, heavy as lead. <laughs> and to tend downwards with great weight and pressure towards hell. And if you should let, and if God should let you go, you would immediately sink and swiftly descend and plunge into the bottomless gulf in your healthy constitution and your own care and prudence and best contrivance in all of your righteousness would have no more influence to uphold you and keep you out of hell than a spider's web would have to stop a falling rock. Wow. That's only a paragraph. Those that were there that night, at the end, when he had an altar call, they were screaming. People were grabbing the pillars of the church under conviction because they were fearful the ground was going to open up and they would be swallowed up whole and go into hell. And they were screaming, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to be saved? Jesus, greatest gift of salvation is here today. What's the next step? We need to receive the gift. How do we do that? Once again, Christmas is not just a historical event, but it's an invitation for each, watch this, and every one of us, to receive the gift of salvation if you have not. Now, I know I'm speaking to many believers here, and you're here to honor God and worship God, this candlelight communion service. But there's some of you, perhaps, you're not at that point. You've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, but to as many as did receive and welcome him. Listen, if someone has told you from a theological perspective that only certain people are chosen and other people are damned, I'm gonna tell you today that's a lie. That's Calvinism. I don't believe that. I believe God desires that all men and women would be saved. All of humanity. That's why harvest is called harvest because the world is before us and God loves all of humanity. And he didn't just select a few and say, no matter what you do or your kids, you may be saved, but your kids, damn, and the rest of you, no, no, no. God desires all. So you have the ability to choose Christ or not. Even in your, amen. Come on, come on, church, amen. That teaching has so gripped people, and I've seen them say, well, you know what? You're chosen, I'm not. Let me just go live for the devil. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the challenge is open your heart. Open your heart today to the way of salvation, the greatest gift of salvation, to accept Jesus Christ in your life. Stand with me if you would, please. How do we, how do we receive this? Pastor, what do, I, what do I need to do? Do I need to join a church and sign a membership form? No, you know, that's good. That's good, that's very good to grow in your spiritual, but that doesn't constitute salvation. What is it? Mark 1.15. The appointed period of time is fulfilled, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your mind is what it means. 
your inner self. Change your old way of thinking. Regret past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. And it goes on to say, seek God's purpose for your life and believe. Repent, but believe. 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 Faith is action. Faith is decision. Here's the thing. You decided to come to church today. You can also decide to believe or not believe. No decision is a decision. It's, mm, it's a decision. If you hit bow this morning, if you would. Scripture says we have all sinned. We fall short of God's glory. What does that mean? We come up short. We come up short of his view, his standard for our life. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, sin entered the world because of one man, Adam, he sinned. And death came upon us all. That's unfair. I know it is. But God provided a way. Everyone sinned, so death came on all people. Romans 6, 23. When people sin, they earn what sin pays. That's death. But God gives his people a free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what's the answer? What do I need to do? I love this verse in Romans 5, 8. God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Wow. In this state of lost, eternal damnation, Christ died for us. He offered forgiveness for you. What do I got to do? Romans 10, 9 says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I feel the Holy Spirit here drawing people right now. Church, you remember, you're a believer. I just ask you to pray softly at this moment. John 3, 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus, who was a, 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 a part of the Sanhedrin, and he was a brilliant scholar, Jewish scholar. Jesus said, and I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is, here it is, born again, that their spirit man or spirit woman is changed born from above, spiritually transformed. Unless you're renewed, you cannot experience heaven or see the kingdom of God. With every head bowed, you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I do not have that assurance of salvation or at one time you were walking with the Lord and you backslid. What does that mean to backslid? It means you just, you just walked away. You, you didn't maybe deliberately get angry at God. Some people that's the case. You just walked away. You just drifted out of sight, out of mind. And now it's been years. And the Lord brought you here today to save you, to give you the message, you to recognize how lost the state you really are in, but how amazing this gift of salvation is and how God freely gives this gift to those who will receive it. With every head bowed, to say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me today? I want to make it right with God. I want to accept Christ in my life. Be born again. I'd like us to pray together. And if that's you, then you pray this right where you're at. God will hear your prayer, and he will fill you with his spirit. And the Bible says he will save you, and you will be born again. Let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Jesus, I make a decision today to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, take my life. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.